If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And we're going to continue our study that we uh, began a few weeks ago uh, in studying this book of 1 Peter. It is a book that speaks about hope, and we've been going through it. We're going to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, as we learn uh, what 1 Peter has to say to us today. And uh, one thing that I love about the Bible is that it's always relevant. It's always relevant. We don't have to change it to become relevant. Uh, It doesn't matter what uh, century we're living in. The truth of God's word is forever. And that means it's always relevant for us in our day. And so uh, we're going to be studying that in 1 Peter chapter number 3. We're going to continue studying about what hope does, hope and the home. But uh, before we read our passage, I do just want to say really quick thank you to Pastor John and, uh, and, and our missionary Ray Hansen for the messages the last three weeks uh, in our missions conference. It was uh, a, a, a tremendous blessing, and uh, they, they challenged us in many ways uh, on our programming here in our church for missions and how we can get involved as a church. And, um, and next week, um, I was going to let you know how much was promised, what the faith promise total was, but I want to do it next week. Next week, we're dedicating our service to just a service of thanksgiving. And, uh, and it's going to be a miraculous service, at least according to uh, Brother Hansen, because I got to preach 10 minutes. That's going to be a miracle if I can keep within that uh, 10 minutes. But, um, but it's really going to be, we really want to focus on just giving thanks. We're going to have a few more songs than usual. Uh, usually we sing four songs, get in the message, and then we sing one before we leave. But next week we're going to have a lot more singing. And, uh, and then we also want to take some time to just kind of thank God for some of the blessings of this year. And uh, so I hope you'll uh, come back next week and join us for that, for that special service. Well, 1 Peter chapter number 3, we've been, we've been talking about how hope applies into our life. Peter has been writing about what hope is in chapter 1. Uh, in chapter 2, uh, a little bit of what God expects from us as his children as, as Christians to be growing, building on a foundation, building on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone, building up a house of faith in our life. And then uh, I, I do want us to notice this because this is key to what our message is this morning. Look at chapter 2, verse 12, all right? We've already studied this, but I want to remind you because it's been a few weeks about what Peter is talking about in chapter 3. So chapter 2, verse number 12, Peter says this, unto whom it was revealed. I'm sorry, verse 12, having your conversation, that is your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So Peter ends that section of chapter two saying, what we do is to lead others to glorify God. Our lifestyle Our conversation, that's an old English word for lifestyle, our lifestyle, what we do in our life, ought to lead others to glorify God. Now, starting in verse 13 of chapter 2, he begins to break down what that looks like on a practical level, on an everyday level. So the way people are going to be able to glorify God through our life is through the principle of submission. 
Now, we've been learning about the word submission. It's the Greek word hypotasso, and it, it means to come under someone, to come under an authority, to come under them willingly, and to get, and it's a military term, to get under ranks is really literally what they would use that for, that term, to get in ranks. And so the way that our lifestyle is going to be lived out so that others may give glory to God is by practicing the principle of submission in our life. Now, all true submission starts with submission to God. That is definitely important for every Christian. Really, the Christian life doesn't really begin until we submit to the authority of God, until we can admit that we are sinners and we need a Savior, that we can't save ourselves with our works. But as we sung about, uh, that Jesus Christ dying on the cross paid for our sin. And by believing that truth, And asking him to forgive us and to be our savior. Now we have submitted to the will of God. In fact, the Bible clearly states, it is the will of God that all men come to repentance, that none should perish. So submission starts there. But yet on the everyday level, what people can see, because that is a decision that happens in our heart. And though we may profess that and we may share that, it is still a inward decision. What we can display of that decision can be seen every day. For instance, in our submission to government. Verse 13 talked about that, and we had a whole message on what submission to government looks like, because through that, God can get glory. Then there is submission in the workplace, and we saw that also in chapter 2 at the very end. The way that we behave and the way we live out our lives at the workplace, how we treat those that are under us, and how we obey or submit to those that are above us at work will display either something that brings people to glory uh, to God or glorify God, or get people to start criticizing God or criticizing our faith. And so that's why it's so important to understand this, this principle of submission is something that applies every day. When you get to chapter number three, now Peter is going to talk about submission in the home. Now, let me just say that there's been no institution that has been established by God that has been attacked more by Satan than the home. In fact, it was the first institution that God created when he married Adam and Eve. The home and marriage is not man's idea. It wasn't because we were alone and needed somebody to hang out with. The home has been established and marriage has been established by God. It was God's idea. It was God's doing. And anything that God does, Satan hates. Anything that God has created, Satan wants to destroy. And we've seen from the very first home that was instituted how Satan began to attack it. If you remember the story, he attacked Eve by going, did God really say this? Has God really said that? And ever since then, there has been attacks by the devil on the home. In our world today, the home has been maligned and questioned and threatened and dismissed. Uh, you, you can't watch a sitcom today without the home somehow being destroyed. Either the dad is too stupid to know anything, right? The mom is too commanding and too hard on the kids. Or the kids can't really respect her. They do things, everything behind her back. The kids are the smart ones, and they know what to do in every situation, and parents just kind of go along with whatever they're saying. 
We've seen that in our world, the home continues to be attacked. Yet it is the home that brings stability to a society. It is through the home that salvation's message can get to others. It is through the home that really supreme glory can be given to God. That's why Satan hates it so much. Satan knows if he can attack the home and if he can destroy that institution, well, man, there, there goes much of the message of the gospel. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the children's first concept of God is his parents. We, we found that if there's a, a father that is, that is uh, very abusive, those kids tend to, tend to think that what God does is very abusive. If, if there's a mom that's very much uh, made a habit of lying, then they think that God cannot be trusted the kids as they grow up. Because the first concept of God is their parents. So this devil knows if I can destroy that, man, there goes the message of, of the gospel to that next generation. By the way, if he can do that, there goes some of the control of the morals of society. I, I don't know if you've noticed that. But as the home begins to get destroyed, so does morals in society. We're, we're, we're at a point where there are many of the younger generation that don't even think marriage is necessary. They say, after all, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just a ceremony. And even the sanctity of that ceremony has been thrown out. To say, just, just live that way, there's no commitment. And if you don't get along, you can just go your own separate ways. This, the devil hates the home. Yet, it is impossible to have hope, to live your faith of hope without the home. The home is kind of like that nucleus that, that holds the power to change the world. That's what the home can be and should be. But kind of like nuclear fission, I don't know how many know a little bit about nuclear fission. I'm not a scientist, but I know a little bit about nuclear fission from what I've read. It's basically the, the concept that brought about, you know, nuclear bombs. Basically, there's the nucleus there of the atom, and if you can split that atom, it, it creates an explosion of energy that then creates a chain reaction of explosions, and it just destroys everything. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we, we can say that the devil has done a pretty good job of doing that here in America for the home. I think you can agree with me just looking at statistics on whether it be the divorce rate or kids running away from home or kids trying to forget what's happening at home through drugs or alcohol or anything like that. We, we, we can see the destruction that has happened. This is why this passage is so important. It's really easy to look at this passage and say, well, that's not talking to me because after all, in verse number one, he says wives. 
But really, this applies to all of us because what he's going to be talking about in verse 1 through 6, is which what we're going to study this morning, he's actually talking about something that affects all of us. He's talking about the home. And the principles that he's going to share here are principles that, that at the end, if we can apply them, will allow others to see and give glory to our God. Because that's what Peter's talking about in this letter. So notice what he says and what he writes in chapter 3, verse number 1. He says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. What is Peter talking about here? He's talking about taking now the principle of submission that we've seen through go- with government and in the workplace, and he's saying, likewise in the home. Now, he starts with, of course, the specific of wives, be subject unto your husbands. And I just want to talk a little bit about that this morning of, once again, submission. Being subject is not being subjugated. Okay, I always, I said this uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, I always think of that, that game, Mercy. I don't know how many remember playing that, where you put your hands with somebody else, and then you have to, you have to try to burn it. Whoever, whoever uh, cries mercy first loses. And, and usually, if you start doing this hard enough, it brings the other person to their knees. And, and there are people that sometimes think that when the Bible is talking about submission, that's what it's talking about. It's like God twisting us to all the way to the knee, and now, now you bow to me. But that's not what that word means. God's not forcing you to do anything. It's willing, a decision. And so when we practice the principle of submission, we are willingly coming under the authority of someone else. We are saying, we will follow you, willingly. Right? Not as hostages taken captive, but, but willingly as somebody that wants to follow what you're doing. Now, this brings us to the thought that that means there is order. The Bible says in in 1 Corinthians that God is a God of order. He says, let everything be done decently and in order. So so God is a God of order. So when Peter talks about this with the wives and being subject to their own husbands, he's, he's talking about some responsibilities that are there for her, but I think that can be applied to all of us here this morning. So I want to I share with you, if you have your notes, three responsibilities of a of a, of a hopeful wife, of a hopeful Christian in the home. I want you to notice that, first of all, he talks about godly character. Godly character. The way that a wife should conduct herself in the home is with godly character or in a godly manner. And this always begins with submission. It means coming willingly under the authority. Now, as I said, God is a God of order. That means the home has an order. 
Now, we don't have time to study the whole thing this morning, but if you go to Ephesians chapter 5, you can read how the Bible says that the husband is the head of the household. Now, the head of the husband is Christ, is God. So the husband is to follow God, right? But then, under the husband, you have the wife. This doesn't, this doesn't signify value. We are equal in God's eyes. Galatians chapter 6 teaches that clearly. There's no difference in, in men and women. And I know we live in, in times where there's parts in this world and there's been in the history of humanity where uh, women have been mistreated or, or treated as something less than. That's not what the Bible's ever taught. That's not how you were created. Okay? We, we are in God's eyes of the same value, the same preciousness, he saved us both. We, we are uniquely chosen by God. Yet, there still has to be order. Now, I was thinking about this this week as I was thinking about a military term. You have generals, right? And then you have like, uh, I don't know all the rankings, but you have like colonels and then you have captains and you have, right? Now, I don't think anybody that's ever served in the, in the uh, army would say, well, you know, if a captain dies, no big deal. I mean, it's just the colonel. The colonel's the one we've got to protect. Or if the colonel dies, you know, it's no big deal, really. It's the general. We would say all their lives are valuable. They're all precious. But if, if, the, if the army is going to have any kind of strength and force, they have to act in, in some sort of order, <laughs> right? If, if everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes, all you get is chaos, not conquest, right? So Peter here is saying, okay, in the home, God has an order. And so it starts with godly character. Wives, with godly character, submit unto your husbands. Submit unto their leadership. Now, why are they to do this, according to Peter? Number one, they're to do this for the sake of the gospel. Now, there were many, as Christianity was beginning to flourish in that first century, as the message of the gospel was getting to, to different people, there were many that were believing that had never heard before, and some were believing, right? Some were getting saved where their spouses were not. There was a lot of, uh, of, of women that were married that were believing the message of the gospel, but their husbands were not. Some of them were Jewish, and they would say, no, I'm not, I'm, look, my religion, this is what I got from my parents, and we're staying here, I'm staying in the temple. And they weren't changing. There were Gentiles that were the same way, that they said, no, well, uh, we have our gods, and that is the uh, Jewish God, and, and so we don't believe that. And, and the wives had put their faith in Christ, but, but the husbands had not. Well, what do you do? How is the home going to bring glory to God when there's one that is believing and one that is not? And especially if that one that's not believing is a wife. How does the gospel go forward? How does God get glory in a home like that? Peter says simply, number one, by you, wife, having a godly character. For the sake of the gospel, when a wife is submissive, it's not because she can't make it on her own or because she's not worthy or, or worthwhile or valuable. She is being submissive for the message of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. Notice what Peter says. He says that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Her conduct is highlighted by the fact that even though he may not agree with her faith, her godliness can bring conviction to his life without her using words. 
Now, I've, I've known of wives that in their home, they, they think, well, if I got to win my husband, I, I just got to put the Christian radio station on full blast. I was, I was uh, reading one of the commentaries and, and uh, the, the author of the commentary was saying how one time he was at a church and, and there, was a, there was a wife that kept doing that. And she thought, if I can just do that loud enough when he comes from work, if I can just play it loud enough, eventually that's going to get to his heart and, uh, and, and he's going to get saved. And the author of the commentary was saying, the sad thing was is that the man was so bothered by that that he decided to just go out with his friends after work and not come home. Peter says, that's not the way that you're going to win them. That's not the way that God's going to get their glory. It's going to be by your conduct. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong if you want to turn on the Christian radio station in your home and your husband's not safe. I'm not saying that's wrong to do, but Peter says be careful to not be nagging on that. He says focus on your conduct. You say not all evangelizing happens with words. In fact, most of it happens without words. I know the president of the Bible college where I went, he used to always say this, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. It's very confusing, but when you think about it and you break it down, all it's simply saying is what you do speaks louder than what you say. And as a wife in the home, if you want to win your husband that's not believing in the Lord or not following the Lord, which is his responsibility, and he's not fulfilling that responsibility, your job is not to write down a list and leave it on the fridge for him to do. This is what you got to hear, the Ten Commandments. You better be living this. No. What Peter says is to submit, to come under his authority, to live in a way that brings God honor and glory. Now, let me just insert this real quick. I didn't put it in your notes, but I want to stress this. Submission doesn't mean you do whatever your husband says. If your husband says rob a bank, don't rob the bank. Okay? Anything immoral or unethical that your husband is asking you to do as a wife, you don't have to follow that. That's not what the Bible says to do at all. If your husband's being abusive, you don't have to stay in the home. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. That's not what he's saying here. I think that's important because at least in, in the 39 years that I've been here in, uh, in this, on this earth and, and growing up in a pastor's home, there are many that sometimes have taken that thought into their marriage. Well, my husband said I have to do this, so I guess I have to do that. No, if it's wrong. That's not what God is saying here, but he is saying there are some things that your husband's going to be leading in your home with and you ought to follow. You ought to use your life in a way that would bring God glory, even if you're not sharing a verse with him every day. Did, did you know that just answering your spouse kindly says a lot? You know that just serving your spouse a meal, a plate of food says a lot? That's why Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what he's talking about. Now, clearly, at some point in that, 
you might have an opportunity to share something from God's word because faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So Peter's not saying, oh, don't ever read your Bible. Don't ever share your Bible with your husband. No, no, no. What he's saying is you live right. And in those opportunities, when he allows you to share something, share something. But don't share something without living something. The order is live right, then share the truth. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That means you're never going to fight or have a disagreement. All it means is, all that is within your power, do what is right. And let God open up some opportunities to share the truth. Now, we find then, godly character, you submit for the sake of the gospel. But then, Peter also says, you ought to submit with reverence in your attitude. You know that how we come under authority is just as important as the fact of coming under the authority. We teach this to our kids all the time. If you say, can you please take out the trash? And they do it. Ah, fine, Dad. I always have to do everything around here and clean the house. That's not acceptable, at least not in my home. That's not acceptable. Now, is he doing what I asked him? Yes. But he ain't going to do it with whatever attitude he wants. Because attitude is just as important as action. How we're doing something is just as important as what we're doing or the act itself. In fact, if you remember in the Old Testament, and if you're, if you're, if you're new to church, you, you may not know this, but in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were God's people. And, and, uh, and they, they'd, they'd come a point, if you read in Isaiah and you read in, in, in Zechariah and Haggai and, 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 and uh, different of, the, of, the, of Hosea and Joel, and, and you'll, you'll find in those prophets... Uh, letters that they wrote and prophecies, you'll find that the people of Israel, almost all their history, always gave sacrifices. The temple was always there until it was destroyed by the Romans and destroyed by the Babylonians, the first temple, second by the Romans. But until then, they were, they were doing sacrifices all the time. And you know what God got to the point to say to them? He said, I'm tired of your sacrifices. Now, he asked them to sacrifice in a certain way, and they were doing that. And he said, I'm tired of it. Why was he tired of it? Because of the attitude behind it. No longer were they doing it as an act of worship. God, this is, this is, this is my offering to you. It was like, they're God, but you asked for, right? There's a difference in that. That's why Peter says, while they behold, verse 2, your chaste conversation or your, your godly lifestyle or godly character coupled with fear. We live in a world today that tries to degrade others if they disagree with us. Have you noticed that? You're either on one side of the, of the aisle or the other. And if you're not on my side, well, then be prepared for some comments about how stupid you are, right? How dumb you are, how you can't see this or see that. And many times we've lost a lot of just mutual respect for people. And, and, and Peter says, you know what? If you're not careful, that, that kind of attitude creeps into your marriage and into the home. And Peter says, that's not how how we're going to bring glory to God. 
That's why Colossians chapter 4, put this in your notes, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. That's simply what Paul was saying. Once again, I know Peter's talking directly to the home and to wives here, but I think all of us should have that kind of character. I think all of us can be submissive for the sake of the gospel. I think every person in here can can be submissive just simply so that we might have reverence for others. Peter says it's going to require godly character. Number two, godly values. A wife that is submissive must also have values that are greater and superior to what this world values. Now here in verse 3 and 4, Peter shares how we are to value what God values over what the world values. Now these verses have been misinterpreted by many people. There are some that read this verse and say, well, I think it's clear. God says you can't wear makeup, ladies. Can't have jewelry because it says plated hair and gold and your clothing. Can't dress up. Peter's not talking about that. In fact, if you do a little bit of research about what the culture was in this time, and you can look at it in Google. You don't even have to have an encyclopedia anymore. You can just go to Google. Ask Google. But you'll find that All of those things that he mentions talked about something of value in that society at that time. How you wore your hair said something about you in society. And and the clothes that you wore and the material that it was said something, oh, if you're noble or if you're a slave or where you were at. And, And so people that were aspiring to get higher in society thought, well, I got to start wearing my hair this way. I got to start wearing this kind of jewelry because that way people will think of this of me. You see, it was, it was all the outward and the Roman culture and the Greek culture was really all about the outward. So Peter's writing to people living in that culture, and he's saying, wives, be careful, because I know in the culture in which you live, that is valued as the most important thing. But God doesn't value that. So here's a principle about godly values. Number one, God's approval is greater than society's acceptance. Peter is saying God's approval is so much more important than society's acceptance. I know society is saying you got to do this and wear this and look this way, and that way you have value among your peers and, and, and in this life. And Peter says, don't look for value in that. That stuff is fleeting. He says, wives, don't, don't look for value there. It's flawed. It's broken if you do. It says, live life by God's values. Live life according to God's values. He says there in verse number four, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. Here's the second principle. Number one, God's approval is greater than 
Society's acceptance. Number two, God values the internal over the external. So, you say, as wives, as you submit and you, as you get in the order that God has created for the home, you're to have some godly character in your life for the sake of the gospel. Right? You don't have to be nagging your unbelieving husband about coming to church all the time and, 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 and nagging him on these things, but if you just serve him and love him as a white wife ought to, then, then he's going to start noticing that. And he's going to say, that's amazing that she treats me so much better than I deserve. Why would she do that? Because in the world in which I grew up, I mean, hey, eye for eye, ear for, for an ear, tooth for tooth. They say this about you, you say this to that. They treat you this way, you treat them that way. Treat them the same way. Oh, but but a wife that's mistreated yet loves her husband. It says something. It brings a curiosity to the mind that says, why would anyone ever do that? And that's why Peter says, look at the hidden man. That's where your value really is. That's where your value really is. And it really doesn't matter what society, whether it's in the Greek or Roman society, or whether it's in kingdoms before or after, where it's in a society that wants to keep women you know, down here, you can still bring glory to God. How? By valuing the in- internal over the external. You say, well, what is, what is the internal? What is it that he's talking about? Look at verse number four at the end. The ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. God values a meek and quiet spirit. Now, meekness is not weakness. It's, it's power under control. It's understanding who I am before God. Jesus, the Bible says, was the meekest of all people. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Jesus wasn't humble because he couldn't get out of poverty. The Bible says he made himself poor for us. Jesus was humble because he submitted to the will of his father. To the point where the father said to give your life on the cross for the sins of the world. And knowing what that suffering was going to feel like and be like, he still said, not my will, but thine be done. When a wife seeks to please God by loving her husband and serving her family, then her value is revealed as something worth more than gold or rubies. That's why Proverbs 31.10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. What does that woman look like? A woman that's meek. That's willing to submit for the sake of the gospel. Because she's of any lesser value, but a woman that finds her value on the inside, not on the outside. Nothing wrong with putting on makeup. I love it when my wife puts on makeup. Combs her hair really nice. Wears nice clothes. I'm so thankful for that. But I'm also thankful that 
my wife goes more than skin deep. I'm thankful for a wife that I've seen read her Bible. That I've prayed with and seen her pray on her own. I'm thankful for a wife that I've seen sometimes cry about what the gospel has done or is doing in the life of someone else or even in her own life. Listen, I'd rather her cry about the goodness of God than Jack dying after Titanic went down. Right? Sometimes we cry for the silliest things. God says, I value the internal over the external. A quiet spirit is one that is gentle and kind. The, the Greek word here is isikios, and it means peaceable. A wife that is looking to be peaceful in her relationship with her husband and not fighting for every little thing is one with a quiet spirit. Being peaceful brings God's blessings into that home. That's why it's so important. We see a wife that is full of hope should have godly character and godly values. Let me just remind you one one more time this morning, that's not just for wives. I believe every Christian that is submitting, whether it's submitting to government or submitting to the workplace, ought to have some godly character. Ought to have some godly values. Let me give you the third one because time's running out, and that is godly actions. In verse number five and verse number six, Peter speaks of the good works of a submissive wife and a submissive life. Peter says this isn't a new truth that comes as a result of of the new covenant, the new testament. This is something that even in the old days, he says, even before Christ, this is how wives submitted. This is how wives could live godly. In fact, Godly wives have always lived this way. They've displayed these good works to show that they are people of hope. And you'll notice that these good works are seen by what they say. You read in verse number 5, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him, what she said. Godly actions were proven by what she said. How she was gentle and kind and careful with her words. How she was peaceful in her marriage. Abraham was far from perfect. But she wasn't doing it for Abraham's sake. She was doing it for God's sake. What words we use with others is important, even our husbands. And the reason for this is not we don't want to hurt our husband's pride. By the way, I was just told last night, speaking of this, by a friend of ours whose daughter called my husband to say, I mean, my husband, my wife, good night, called my wife 
to ask her, and I believe her wording was, you know, Miss Rochelle, you're so pretty, and you know, Pastor Jeremy's, you know, he's, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she didn't want to use the word ugly, but I was like, all right, well, you can't use almost every other word. <laughs> but the reason that a wife uses those words isn't to not hurt his pride, no. No, it's because she wants to display with her words what she values and what her character is. What you say can reveal a lot about who you are. Proverbs chapter 31, there in your notes, says her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. We see in what she says, but we also see, of course, godly actions in what we do. You see, Sarah was respectful in her talk, but also in her works. And Peter says, those that follow her example are her daughters too. Are those that are also living right. And by the way, there is a price to pay for that. I, I don't know how many have heard the old saying that says, uh, no good deed ever goes unpunished, right? Basically, the idea is, you know, you do good to people and people still criticize you sometimes and start asking yourself, why did I even help them? Why did I even talk to them, right? No good deed goes unpunished. But you know, there is some truth to that in the sense that you, you want to live with submission in your life and you want, you want God to get glory, there's a price to be paid on that. As I told you, Peter was writing, and he even says it in the first three verses, those that are suffering. There's a price to pay. It's difficult sometimes. Marriage is not easy. Submission's not easy. But yet, Peter says it's through that through the principle of submission and having godly character and godly values that it'll lead you to live a life that is different. And you'll talk different and you'll do things differently. In fact, the last phrase in verse number six, I just want you to see it really quick. It says, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement, that, that little phrase just means without being scared to do what's right. Sometimes doing what's right can cost you. Cost you even in a marriage relationship. That's where you trust God to defend you. That's where you trust God that, listen, I'm doing this, God, because this is what you've asked me to do. And I submit to you. And because I'm submitting to you, I'll submit to the order that you have, which is my husband as the head of the household. By doing that, God begins to bless 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing, not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair, by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. We already said what that means. But for women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attracted by the good things they do. So this morning we've seen how wives are to apply the principle of submission into their marriage with hope. But as I've said, it also can apply to all of us. 
have godly character, to have godly values, to have godly actions. So the challenge this morning is to make a choice to live the principle of submission. To choose to be a person that submits with a good attitude for the sake of the gospel. To submit and to choose to be a person of values that reflect God's word and God's truth, not just the current trends and what the world values. And choose to be a person of action that lives talking right and doing right to those around us. So that at the end, the glory of God is displayed. So at the end, as Peter says in chapter 2 and verse 12, having your conversation, your life honest among the Gentiles, or that is those that do not believe, that whereas they speak evil against you, that usually happens, that's a price to be paid, they may by your good works, that they see, glorify God in the day of visitation. I want to challenge us this morning. Let's choose. Choose to be a, a people of godly character and values and actions. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for your truth. Father, this principle of submission, as we've seen over the last few weeks that we've been studying about it, it's not always a principle we want to live out. In fact, it goes against every fiber of our being, having to come under someone else. But yet, help us to realize this morning that that is the way in which you will receive glory from those that don't believe what your word says. From those that have no hope and are not living by faith. Oh, Father, I, I believe we ought to share your word, but... Oh, it's just as important, if not more, to live your word. And so, Father, I pray that this morning as we reflect upon our lives, as we take a moment just to meditate upon what your word has taught us, I pray that we would make a decision this morning to choose, to choose to have godly character in our lives, godly values, godly actions. Help us as a church to do this. Help every home to apply this into their home. As the piano plays and every head bowed and every eye is closed, perhaps this morning you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, as you were talking about that, there are some things that I've, I've thought about that God has spoken to me about through this message that I need to choose to do, that I just haven't been maybe deciding as as I ought to be. I just have not been applying this principle of submission in my home as I ought to have. But with God's help this week, I want to, I want to start applying some of that. I want to start living that out in my home and in my marriage. Pastor, if you would just pray for me. Is there anyone like that? Just pray for me. Pray for me. Amen. God bless you, man. Perhaps you're here this morning you're saying, Pastor, my marriage is doing great, but some of that I need to apply in my, in my workplace, to be honest. Would you just pray for me that I might apply that principle in my workplace as well? 
through my life and through my actions. Anyone like that? Just say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. God bless you. I see that. Amen. God bless you. Father, this morning, you've seen our hearts. Father, I pray that you would help us now to, to apply your word. Help us to truly live differently because we are different. Help us to be submissive in the areas of life that you've given us to, to live. Be with every one of your children this morning, we ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen.